May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. Amen. Such a familiar story. We often refer to it as the story of the prodigal son. But as Professor Amy Jill Levine pointed out, we, we limit these stories when we give them names because it's actually a story about a whole family. It's not really just about the son. Other sermons we often hear about this, too, ask us to figure out who we are in the story. And many of us, self-included, often relate to the older brother. How many of you are the older brother in the story? Yeah, lots of people are the older brother in the story. I'm going to suggest today that we might be the younger brother, each of us. So let's just hold that thought. To start with, we don't actually know why he left, right? He could have been bullied by the older brother. Maybe he had a really good idea for a startup business. Maybe he wanted to go to college and join a fraternity and not stay home on the farm and go into the family business. Maybe it was simply youthful arrogance, a sense of adventure. Maybe he was gay. Maybe he was a big city boy stuck in a small town, just dreaming of something different for himself. He goes, and we are told that he wastes what he had. The Greek word suggests scattered. He scattered what he had in riotous living. What's that shorthand for? Poor business judgment? Too much fear with his friends? Renting an apartment he couldn't afford? We don't know. We don't know. But what we do know is that the economy crashed and he was then without a job or any money. Something happened and he found himself hungry in great need, desperate enough to hire himself out to a farmer to tend the farmer's pigs. And that is when we're told he came to himself. Erko my ice heotu. He came to himself. Came to. Came to. We speak of that after being knocked out, unconscious, right? I came to. For the younger son in the story, we don't know how he was numbed, but he was numbed by ambition or alcohol or simply youthful selfishness. It took losing it all for him to come to. And realized he needed to eat. The circumstances were dire. He was hungry and not even the pig food was available to him. 
The reality hit him hard. I think this story is more powerful and more hopeful and more challenging than this. It's not simply a matter of being knocked out and then coming to. Because sometimes when we do that, we just decide we have to work harder. Or I guess he could have thought, maybe I can negotiate a better deal with the farmer and get at least some something to eat. That's what you do if you just come to and you look around and you say, I'm just going to keep trying more, trying harder. But as Jesus tells us the story, he says that the young man came to himself, came to himself. He had an awakening not simply about his circumstances, but about himself, who he is. The circumstances may have driven his coming to. I mean, sometimes we do need a big knockdown to see reality. But if all that hap- if all that happens after that is a further commitment to fighting the fight with a better strategy. I think the text suggests that we are missing something. This coming to himself was more than a simple awareness, I'm hungry, there's food at home. It was actually a transformation by grace. He remembered who he was. He was the son of a loving and generous and non-judgmental father. He was part of a family with its complex relationships, not always easy. He was a sinner, someone who had made mistakes and would need to be humble and apologetic in the face of those sins. He was a person who could turn toward home chastened and prepared to be penitent, to be honest, to be honest about his life, his abilities, his limitations, his hopes, his needs, and his desire not to be alone. When he came to himself in his need, That's when he got clear about who he was, what the next best steps were. And then he collected himself again and headed for home. So this phrase really resonated for me this week. And one of the reasons is that it's very rare in the Bible to have anything that tells us about someone's inner life. There's lots of stories, there's lots of dialogue, and preachers, self-included, of course, infer a lot of things from those stories and and that dialogue. But here we actually have a statement in the text about somebody's inner life. He came to himself. 
So I think this idea is important, and I want to focus today on us as individuals, but it also has communal implications. How does Trinity Church in Concord come to itself? Frankly, how does our nation come to itself, tell the truth about our abilities and our limitations? So again, I want to make this distinction between coming to as awareness and finding ourselves right back in the same place, digging in our heels even deeper, holding on even tighter, doing whatever it is the thing that we do, denial, isolation, overwork, overscheduling ourselves and our children. Those are the ways that we scatter Those are the ways that we scatter the life that we have all over the place in riotous, unconscious living. We don't think of ourselves as wasting our lives. But the story suggests that this coming to, this coming to is a two-part process, and both parts are really important. So first, coming to about our world, seeing the reality of life around us. And there are so many ways that we need to come to. I've had conversations this week both over email and in person with many of you about your concerns about the perils of climate change, about the persistence of racism. And if you turn on the TV, which I just don't do, you may be overwhelmed by the suffering and cruelty poured out so riotously all over the place. So I believe that continuing to get woke, right, to wake up, to get woke, to come to about our world is part of the message of today's gospel. We need to see and we need to know and we need to be aware. But, big but here, the second part is critical. And here's the reason why. Because no one of us as an individual No church, no 250 of us sitting here. No one of us can hold the amount of pain that there is all around. In the world, in this community, in your home, and in your heart. None of us can do that. Only Jesus does that. Only Jesus can do that. And he did, and he does. So the second part of coming to is important this way. Jesus tells us that the young man came to himself. Came to himself. What does it mean to come to yourself? 
This might be different for different people, but here's some suggestions. I think to come to oneself is to have an honest acceptance of who and where you are right now. Right now. Just before we started the service, I heard about somebody who fell and broke a hip yesterday. Probably not happy, but if this person comes to themselves this morning, they know what they're facing. They know what the next best step is. An honest acceptance of who I am right now. And the corollary to that is clarity about who you're not. I had a conversation with somebody this week, and she did this lovely thing with her hands. She just kept going like this. Where do I stop and everything else begin? What's the boundary? How am I contained? Clarity about who and what I am not. The third thing to come to oneself. What do I need and am I willing to ask for it? What do I need and am I willing to ask for it? The fourth thing. What's your anchor? What's your anchor? For the young man in the story, even though it sounded like it was a dysfunctional family, which is a silly word, right? Because every family is a dysfunctional family. There's no such thing. It's people living together. But for him, at the very bottom, when he came to himself, he knew at some level that he could turn around and go home even if he had to slop the pigs at his father's farm. That was an anchor for him. Many people don't have healthy families that they can turn to. So what is your anchor? Your friends, this church community, your prayer life, your relationship with God? For some people, it's a beloved pet. What's the anchor? What's the thing that helps you stay grounded in yourself. And finally, and this one's important, particularly for us, what piece, what piece of this world is yours to repair? Because remember, the whole big ball of wax Only Jesus can hold that. Only Jesus. But there's a beautiful concept that comes from our Jewish brothers and sisters. This concept of tikkun olam, repairing the world. And embedded in this idea of tikkun olam is that each one of us has just a small slice of that responsibility. We have to do it. It's our responsibility before God. But we don't take on the whole thing. 
Because one of the problems with thinking that you can take on the whole thing, my friends, is that there's too much. And so then it becomes an excuse not to do anything. But part of coming to yourself is figuring out who am I? What are my gifts? What are my actual real limitations, thanks be to God? And therefore discerning what is your part. What is your part that only you can do because of the unique gifts and limitations and configuration of your most wonderful, special, unique self? And he came to himself and she came to herself. So he goes. And as he's approaching the house, the young man's father sees him coming and he runs out to meet him. This son of mine was dead and is alive again. That's how important this is, my friends. To not be yourself is to be dead. To let those barriers break down so that you're trying to do it all and your business is all enmeshed in other people's business until you come to yourself. That's death. The new life comes when we claim who we are. When we claim who we are for ourselves. To come to oneself is to be alive again. To stand before God in your truest way. And to stand before one another in our truest way. So if you were paying attention to the lectionary readings, you can see that they were all pointing toward this statement. The son of mine was dead and is alive again. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Wasn't even supposed to say those words yet, right? We still have a couple of more weeks. But the good news is, no, no, we're rejoicing right now. One of the reasons we're wearing the beautiful pink vestments today is it speaks into this truth that the joy and the new life is present always. It's present always. So be careful. Be careful with your life. It's precious. One of the reasons I like that the baptismal font is back there is that's the marker for us. That's the reminder. When you walk past there, every time you walk into this place, we're reminded that we are brothers and sisters with Christ and brothers and sisters with one another. And that death has been overcome. There is new life. There is new life. 
So treat your life with care and tell yourself the truth. Love hopes all things and bears all things, right? We love that. Believe it. Easter is coming. Easter is here. Amen.